Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of GenStem. As usual, I'm your host Neha and I'm super excited to be back and discussing a new topic with you all. If this is your first time listening to this podcast or if you aren't very familiar with GenStem, GenStem is a podcast that discusses all the current events and new discoveries happening in the STEM field. Additionally, we also discuss tips and advice for aspiring STEM professionals. You can also learn more about our podcast and its goals by watching our trailer. But watch the trailer after listening to this episode, of course. So in this episode, we'll be talking about some tips on how to land research opportunities. We'll also discuss how we can make the most out of them after we land them. So if you're interested in learning more, please continue listening. Before we get started, I want to emphasize that this information is not only for students that are interested in science. Research is simply the process of discovering new trends, ideas, and this type of discovery can be made in any field, from engineering to history to art to political science. This may be some good news for many of our listeners, but the question still remains, how do you get involved with research? So there are two main ways through which you can seek out research positions. The first one is, is that you can apply to a designated research program. And the other option is, is that you can reach out to the researchers on your own. So when it comes to applying to designated research programs, many universities and other laboratories or academic institutions have already established summer research and volunteer programs. These programs often require applications that are due by January or February. And these programs usually start in June of that year. The applications often involve essays and recommendation letters, which will be used to match you to a research faculty when you get accepted. One example of such program is the Research in Science and Engineering, or also known as RISE at Boston University. You can also find more programs like these near you, so I would advise you to do some research online and fill out the applications by their deadline and submit them. But if you want to reach out to researchers or faculty of academic institutions on your own instead, here are some tips to help you get started. First of all, identify your interests on what you want to research. A great way to do this is to read scientific articles. Don't limit your interests to one area, but instead feel free to explore any readings to catch your eye. Some great websites with articles are Scientific America, Discover, Science Daily, New Scientist, or even the New York Times Science and Health sections. Second of all, identify institutions that support research in the fields that you're interested in. You can also reach out to universities, hospitals, companies, and etc. It is never too late to join a lab, but know that most professors are looking for people they can train and teach for at least two years. These professors are supposed to be your mentors, after all. I personally think that the summer before the upcoming academic year is the best time to start looking for a lab. This is when professors are usually not lecturing and they're a little more relaxed, and they're also generally free during this time. Summer research opportunities are great because most of them usually lead to a full year research position. So keep in mind that timing can also play a big part in landing that research position. Third of all, send emails. I know that most emails and resumes you write to professors often get overlooked or just glanced at. So making a first impression is really important. When you're writing the email, make sure that you're familiar with the professor and his or her research. In the email, you should explain your personal interests and always remember to address the bigger picture and where you want the research to take you. Also remember to attach your resume with all the relevant coursework and any previous experience you have to the email. Another mini tip is that in the email, you should always relate your area of interest to the professor's specific and published research. That's why reading their research articles is a good place to start. 
answer the question on how the professor's work applies to like what you want to accomplish in the lab. But overall, show the obvious passion in his or her work, and don't be afraid to geek out a bit. Fourth of all, be persistent. Don't give up after just one email. Send many emails to different places. You can also try and schedule a meeting or just drop by the professor's office for a few minutes. You can also take the class that he or she lectures, attend their office hours regularly, and get that A+. You'll be surprised at how many doors this will open. Persistence shows initiative and this quality is a huge part of your success as a researcher. Persistence is far by the most important thing to keep in mind when hunting for research opportunities and when you don't give up, good timing is bound to come your way eventually. If you make the best use of all the resources available to you and demonstrate genuine passion for innovation, someone will take notice. So when you land a research opportunity, how do you make the most out of it? First of all, get to know all your lab members and coworkers. Meeting one-on-one -on -one with each member can be a fascinating way to learn about others' academic journeys and research interests. You can even ask each member what advice they would give a senior applying to college or a young college student. This will help you give insight into life after college, graduate school, and more. Asking a coworker to carve out time in their schedules to meet you may seem intimidating at first. So start talking to people close to your age, like other high schoolers or undergraduate students. Connecting with your teammates ensures that they remember you and that you're leaving a mark on the lab. Second of all, learn new tasks that will be helpful to you in the future, such as navigating different resources. I know that starting to do research can be scary if you don't know how to use, for example, Google Scholar and having daily interactions with experts in the field, but you should instead recognize that you're new to the field and embrace the constructive feedback during your time there. You'll become too familiar with writing and editing and discussing your research later on. This is something you'll be grateful for throughout your future academic career, which is when these skills will become handy for other future opportunities. Third of all, be the most professional version of yourself. Although you are a student and not a full-time employee, and this may still technically be your summer vacation, push yourself to act like as though you are a full-time employee. Showing up and working when you're supposed to will allow you more time to work on your projects and connect with your coworkers. You'll also become familiar with the research environment and make an impact on your research project. Fourth of all, be organized. Good organization skills will help you with effective research and will also help you maintain a healthy lifestyle. Having an organized lab notebook or a folder with essential background research papers is critical for analyzing data or generating new ideas for your research project. Most importantly, being organized will help you tremendously when you have to present your results in, for example, a peer-reviewed publication, as it does allow you to complete your work in a timely manner. Good organization skills can also help you avoid being overwhelmed and overscheduling yourself with additional activities. So I'd highly recommend having a lab notebook or folder ready as you do your research. Finally, be open-minded and never be afraid to ask for help. Since you are new to research, you may not be expected to know how to develop a research question that leads to a significant discovery. Or you might be working in a large lab with so many open research questions and projects that you may not be able to develop your own research project. So it's very important that you keep an open mind. Try to learn techniques and obtain new knowledge by having conversations with your coworkers. You should also allow your research mentor to guide you and give you advice, such as networking opportunities. Keep in mind that learning how to do re scientific research takes some time and effort, and your mentor is there to guide you. Research can and should be done in a very collaborative environment, so it's very important that every member is on the same page. Asking for help will not only make your work more achievable, but it may also lead you to learning something 
brand new. It will also demonstrate your curiosity and enthusiasm for your lab's work, which is something that is always appreciated by your lab members. In fact, I would encourage you to ask every single question you have. Not only will this expand your learning, but your engagement and connection with the research will shine through your conversations, writing, and every task you perform. So even though you might feel hesitant sometimes, be bold and ask away. Well, that's all for today, and I'm going to start wrapping up this episode now. I'm hopeful that you learned tips on how to land research opportunities and how to make the most out of them. And if you're looking for any research opportunities, good luck, and I hope that you land one. If you liked this week's episode, please subscribe to my podcast and stay in tune for the next episode. While you're waiting, you can also check out our blog at genstem.wixsite.com slash genstem, G-E-N-S-T-E-M dot W-I-X s-i-t-e dot com slash g-e-n-s-t-e-m and if you didn't watch your previous episodes feel free to go check them out also in the first episode we talked about tips for landing remote internships now to ace your next virtual interview in the second episode we talked about steps for vaccine development and the third episode we talked about what dark matter and dark energy exactly are in the fourth episode we talked about the impact of environmental issues on human health In the fifth episode, we talked about the good and bad about CRISPR. And in the sixth episode, we talked about natural selection and the evidence behind it. And finally, in the seventh episode, we talked about what exactly biodiversity is. And if you have any topics that you want to be discussed on GenStem, or you have any questions about the podcast, please feel free to email me at genstemblog at gmail.com. G-E-N-S-T-E-M-B-L-O-G at gmail.com. I'm open to any new ideas and I'll try to respond to them as soon as possible. I also started an Instagram account for GenStem just recently, so I'd appreciate it if you would support us over there too. I will also post all the new updates there so you can be up to date and well informed on what's going on at GenStem. I look forward to talking to you all again next week, and as usual in the meantime, keep learning and stay curious. (laughs) 